Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Sometimes you do stuff on the show just because it's fun, especially on a Friday. You kind of like being in a good mood and kind of going out on the week on kind of a high note. We'll give you an example of that here right now, and then we'll try to make a couple of, I guess, more serious points about this. If you're an Alabama fan, there's something you've sort of gotten used to. Your program's obviously been on top in college football for quite some time, and there is a certain sense of the phrase you may have heard before, to the victor goes to spoils, that not only has your team won the games, but you've gotten lots of pats on the back over the years. You've gotten very used to getting proclaimed as the greatest of all time everywhere you turn especially in certain situations like a Paul Feinbaum show for instance longtime radio presence in Alabama now a TV personality in the SEC network how many times over the course of our lifetime following the SEC have we heard a lot from Feinbaum talking about how great Alabama is how great Nick Saban is in particular but a lot can change over the course of a brief period of time and a program like Georgia with a coach like Kirby Smart winning two straight national championships even a guy like Paul Feinbaum who sort of made a living praising Nick Saban in Alabama even a guy like that eventually has to sort of acknowledge what the truth is in front of all of our eyes which is that Georgia is now on top of the college football world so just to have some fun here for a moment because Alabama fans hate this kind of stuff let me let you hear from ESPN Sports Center this week uh Paul Feinbaum being asked by I guess it's must been get up actually more the get up show not sports center uh being asked by mike greenberg about the current state of affairs in the sec college football comparing nick saban alabama to kirby smart the head coach of georgia if you're a georgia fan you'll like this because of how much tide fans hate it this is fine bomb on kirby and saban right this minute is kirby the king of college football kirby smart has surpassed nick saban Today, now I don't need somebody to tell me about the records, we all know that, but in today's world, in, the, in, in 2023, Kirby Smart is a better coach than Nick Saban and has a better program than Nick Saban. The roster is better. There's a quarterback conversation at Georgia, but it's not, it's not a conundrum. Uh, and that, that is not insulting, though, to Nick Saban for this reason. Kirby Smart is on the verge, perhaps, of a three-peat. Uh, that's why we are saying what we are saying. And, and I think where it hurts Nick Saban the most because Kirby Smart has essentially taken the Saban model and possibly perfected it in Athens. I just think in straightforward fashion, there's really nothing that Feinbaum says there that isn't true. For now, Georgia is on top of the college football world. In fact, I'd go so far as to say this, that the real question for this upcoming season, the SEC, for now anyway, isn't so much whether Nick Saban has been surpassed by Kirby Smart, but whether Nick Saban has also been surpassed by Josh Heupel at Tennessee, Brian Kelly at LSU, two teams that beat Alabama a year ago. Frankly, the comparisons between Georgia and Alabama aren't all that relevant right now because Alabama wasn't even good enough to qualify for the chance to play Georgia last season. That the real important comparisons for Alabama is not how it compares to UGA. Alabama's got to do some hard work just to earn the right to even be on the same field as Georgia based on the way that things played out a year ago. For Alabama, it's are we the best team in the SEC West or is that LSU like it was a season ago? Do we still have full dominance over a rival like Tennessee, something we enjoyed for many, many years? Or did last season's game demonstrate that's also changing there as well? For Alabama here right now, those are the more relevant questions. But at the same time, I want to be fair to Alabama at least one respect, which is, you know, Feinbaum says that Alabama fans in a comparison between Nick Saban and Kirby Smart might like to lean towards the past. Of, well, look at how much Nick Saban's done over the years. And to a certain extent, that's true. Alabama fans have always had a special appreciation for the past, even the imagined past uh, at times that doesn't quite match up with the reality. But nonetheless, I think there's also a pocket of Crimson Tide fans who would say it's not just about the past for our program. It's about the future. They believe that while Kirby may be on top right now, that's a present tense discussion. The future still provides an opportunity for Alabama. Alabama is going to be one of the top ranked teams to begin the season this year. In their mind, they believe they could still win the national championship. And that's obviously you know, a possibility. That certainly could happen. The Bama fans sort of think that they may be down now. Georgia may be up, but that could all reverse itself over the course of the next 15 games and not to come across like a 
pompous blowhard, although I guess from time to time I probably do, uh, not to be pretentious here, but you know, like the Nathaniel Hawthorne quote, the famous uh, writer that families in America are always rising and falling. Well, in college football, I think that's kind of the same way. You've got programs that rise up. LSU won the national championship 2019, haven't been heard from since, at least at the championship level. Clemson's won a couple of titles. They seem down now. Uh, you know, certain teams kind of pop up and then they go down and come kind of back, come back up again. That's just the way it goes. Uh, families rising and falling in America, college football teams programs organizations rising and falling there as well so there is a sense in which that if you're a Georgia fan you hear Paul Feinbaum say what he says there it's important to note the operative phrase and all that is this is what's true right now and so as you look ahead to go for three and 23 the uh, next few months the next 15 games the thing of interest to Georgia fans is well how is it that you stay there so I kind of want to park on that here just for a moment and talk about what Kirby Smart and Georgia can do the mood the vibe that has to be created to make sure when Paul Feinbaum is speaking in SEC media days next year he's still saying the same kind of stuff then that he is now that Georgia is the unquestioned leader of this sport and that Kirby Smart is the unquestioned top coach in this sport the way that he's obviously correctly I think stating right now and this is where you kind of get back into what's been a little bit of a hot topic for us this week the idea of complacency and how the Georgia fights against that and on media days when George was there on Tuesday I thought Kirby Smart made a very interesting comment in terms of what is at stake for Georgia obviously can't deny the fact that the go for three and 23 third straight national championship is a possibility for UGA that's obviously a stated goal here and you know Kirby talked about the way in which they're kind of talking to the team about this going back and looking throughout history and maybe one team in particular that means a lot of a lot to us who are of a certain age who lived through this in kind of our glory years uh, Kirby Smart saying we reach back to that portion of the sporting past as a way of talking to our team right now let me let you hear Kirby and that sets us up for what we want to say today here's Kirby Smart on the message to the team about a third straight national championship we've certainly uh, looked at some some three-peat scenarios of teams like the Bulls and different sports teams that they might actually know about. No offense to the Minnesota 1935 team, but I don't know if it's going to resonate with my audience. So uh, we're, we're going to try to, you know, I, I, I don't care about the three-peat, the two-peat, or the one-peat. I care about complacency. And if the focus is on that and outcomes, I think the rest will take care of itself in terms of, of allowing our guys to focus on, on, on being the best they can be. Let me give you a brief aside just for a moment. I actually like the fact that Kirby thinks his players know about the Michael Jordan era Chicago Bulls because obviously they weren't alive for it. Uh, but you always sort of hope that George is pursuing a special brand of player, someone who's not just physically dominant, but also put together well from a mental standpoint there as well from a from a I guess a spiritual standpoint the idea that these players have kind of acquainted themselves with an important part of sports history that they weren't alive to experience the true goat himself Michael Jordan the Jordan era Chicago Bulls kind of actually makes me feel pretty good about Georgia players that they are as acquainted with the Jordan era and maybe a lot of that's through the last dance but as acquainted with the Jordan era as Kirby Smart says there is says they are that kind of makes me feel pretty good about the future of this Georgia program if they uh, know Jordan that well even because obviously Jordan's now uh, a good number of years ago but if we take that seriously here for a moment Kirby's saying hey you know, it's 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 a Michael Jordan, you know, pair of three peats as a member of the Chicago Bulls. That's more relevant for our team than whatever Minnesota's football team may have done way back in the 1930s. I think it's important to think about, OK, well, what was it that Jordan and the Bulls, if you've cared about basketball at all, if you remember that era at all, you know, what was it that Jordan and the Bulls did to be able to win three straight uh, NBA titles, world championships, and then actually come back and have another three-peat uh, on, you know, after that, once Jordan returned to the sport? How, how was it they were able to get that done? And if you go back and watch like the last dance now many of us lived through this we have you know very vivid memories of this but if you reacquainted yourself with this era because of the last dance that series of documentaries that came out you know back during the pandemic what you know is is that jordan was this tenacious competitor and, and frankly I, I think a lot of his teammates would say was not always all that much fun to play with that that jordan demanded so much from his teammates and himself pushed himself so much that it's not like everybody was always having a lot of fun playing for the Chicago Bulls, but they were having a great deal of satisfaction once the season was over because they were making history and winning championships and and doing all of those things. And so when Kirby mentioned that about the Bulls this week and that being a little bit of a template for you know what George is about to go through, I have to admit I was kind of wondering, 
does that mean that that Georgia is going to take on sort of a Chicago Bull style mindset as it approaches what awaits at the next 15 games here? And to kind of bolster this point a little bit further, you know, I thought that Dallas Turner, the uh, terrific pass rusher for Alabama, I thought he had a very interesting quote at Media Days of the Day. I'm not an Alabama fan, but even I can admit when something's kind of funny. And this was kind of funny from Dallas Turner about the way in which Alabama fans kind of want to get back to playing the brand of football they enjoy. It's a very specific phrase. Turner seemed to like it, and it kind of goes along with what we're talking about right now. This is what Dallas Turner, the great pass rusher from Alabama, said his goal for the Crimson Tide is here this season. A lot of fans have been looking for Alabama to get back to, you know, joyless murder ball, as they call it. Jerry, how do you see uh, the team getting back to that uh, this upcoming season? I mean, the expectations is joyless murder ball for the season, of course. But, you know, it's a lot of guys on the defense that can run around, fly around, and make good plays. So, as I said before, the phrase joyless murder ball is just kind of funny. I think that's kind of interesting. And if that is Alabama's goal here this year, Paul Feinbaum told us a moment ago that whatever Alabama's methods and goals are, that George's actually perfected all of that. And so it kind of dovetails back to the Michael Jordan thing a, a moment ago. Is the only way to go out and win this third straight championship, is the only way to do that, to have that sort of joyless pursuit that Dallas Turner says he wants Alabama to have, and that some of us would say we saw from Michael Jordan where not everybody always loved playing with him but everybody that did play with him went on to have great success because he wouldn't expect anything less from his teammates than that is that the only way for Georgia to to get it done here this season and go for three in, in 2023 do you have to have that 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 Michael Jordan style to nasty in order to be able to get this done well I asked that question to Terrence Edwards the great former Georgia wide receiver on the show yesterday Terrence is a big basketball fan he knows the Jordan air with the Bulls as well as anybody could he also knows what it feels like to be in locker rooms like the one uh, that Georgia has right now I asked him about that you know do you got to be the Jordan type guy here do you have to be that tenacious do you have to be that relentless do you have to be that frankly joyless is that the way that it has to be in order to get it done here in 2023 this is what Terrence said about that it depends on the individual I mean you look at Mike and Kobe their leadership styles were a little different than LeBron James and Magic Johnson leadership styles but you have to know the heartbeat of the team there, there's time and place for everything there's time and place to kind of be that jovial, upbeat, let's go out and have some fun. It's that time to be on the teammate when you when you feel your teammate is not doing their best. I mean, just look at N'Kobe Dean in the National Championship game when he got on Channing Tunnel for missing assignment. Then the next play, he was congratulating. So leaders have to figure out what's the heartbeat of the day. And today, each day changes. Uh, so each play changes, each second changes. So the, the, the team really have to understand what is the heartbeat of this team and leaders lead in different ways that's why I love having former players like Terrence Edwards on the show because I think he explains that really well that sometimes you do have to be the sort of relentless unforgiving version of Michael Jordan and demand more out of yourself and more out of your teammates that's sort of what you need but I don't know that anyone can kind of live with the needle in the red that much for an entire season. I'm not quite so sure it works out that way. And Terrence says, hey, there are going to be those moments when you have to kind of dial some of that back a little bit. And, you know, just in order to kind of get through the season because it can turn into a really long grind. And I guess to sort of sum all this up, let me say it this way. If you've been with us now for a couple of years, I think you'll remember prior to the start of the 2021 season. One of the things I was talking a lot about was the idea that Georgia – needed to look like it was having fun and if Georgia was going to be on its way to great success then the clue we might get from that is how much fun the games looked like they were to watch because there was sort of a stretch and I hate to say this because we're all Georgia fans but I think this is just true in 2019 Georgia football was not always that much fun to watch they were scuffling against SEC opponents in a way they never should have been and in 2020 because of the pandemic and everything else there was a little bit of a haphazard nature to college ball that year and once again there was just a little something missing from George. It just didn't quite seem as fun as it was supposed to be. And what we kind of called for going into the 2021 season was, if it looks like they're having fun, they probably are. And if they are having fun, they're probably on their way to great success. And that was the recipe to breaking through and winning that first national championship. But that was also two national championships ago. You know, now we're talking about a team trying to go for three and 23. So the overall mood, the overall vibe probably is a little different now. That there probably is a certain level level of Jordan tenacity required if you want to really achieve at this level because let's face it 
no one in the modern era has ever won three straight national championships. It's going to be it's going to require being a lot different than your competition in order to be able to truly uh, get that done. But the obligation, I think, still remains, as Terrence Edwards pointed out, that when you can still have some fun, you need to try to find a way to do that. And that's why leadership, you know, stuff like Kirby Smart points out is so important that, you know, there's a different mood and a different vibe required at different points in time of the year. Sometimes you have to reach down deep and find something in yourself you're not quite so sure you have. And sometimes it's about sort of relaxing and enjoying your teammates and enjoying the bond uh, that Georgia's worked so hard to develop there as well. There's a reason that Kirby and the players, they talk all about this kind of stuff, all about the right mindset, the right mentality that it takes to approach an upcoming season. And obviously it's not an easy thing to be to, to, to get done because if it was, it would have been done before now. But if anybody is capable of figuring it out, it would stand to reason it might be these Georgia Bulldogs. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get this today, live on video, starting at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, lots of video ways to watch our program. You can listen to us on the radio, app and sports radio, 960 The Ref. You can, uh, podcast-wise, we've been on the podcast for a long time. By the way, many of you have kind of pointed this out, and I appreciate that. Today is episode 1993 for our program. We are quickly climbing towards our 2000th episode. And obviously, we'll probably have a little bit of a celebration for that when we get there. Because frankly, 2000 episodes is something I'm proud of. I don't I don't talk about that kind of stuff a lot just because, I don't know, for whatever reason. I just It just sort of feels weird to kind of you know do that. But I am really, really proud to have been here for 2000 episodes. Really, really excited about what I hope is another 2000 more at least. If not, many more thousands beyond that. Uh, so we're kind of coming up on a big podcast milestone here pretty soon. I'm really excited about that. And we'll, I'm sure, tell you more about that over the course of the next few days. For now, let me tell you about a sponsor who makes these 2,000 episodes possible. It's our friends at Kroger. And tomorrow's a great chance to be a part of, or at least coming up very soon. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, it is tomorrow. Uh, Kroger Chef Jr. Uh, at Kroger locations around our area here. You can go to the website, Kroger Chef Jr., and find out more about this. It's a guided kids cooking experience. What this works out to be is is kids who are interested in the food preparation process, how to be a chef, how to how to do that kind of stuff. Well, this experience gives them a hands-on approach to learning more about that. This month, the uh, food item being made is the churro tacos. That sounds really good and really fun to me. So tomorrow at Select Kroger locations, you can be a part of the Kroger Chef Junior event cooking those churro tacos. Now, it's just $7 per child, and in addition to cooking the churro tacos, you're also going to get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and holder, and a taco holder there as well. So I want you to go to the website. It's KrogerChefJunior.com. That's the word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJunior.com to find out about where it's taking place, why it's such a fun thing for so many kids to be a part of, and how you can be a part of it tomorrow, Kroger Chef Junior at select Kroger locations. And while I have your attention on Kroger, let me also mention ongoing right now our Celebrate Outstanding Teachers contest with our friends at Kroger. And this is a really cool thing because we're coming up on the start of school season and obviously teachers getting ready for all that. Well, we want to do something to help a few great teachers get ready for uh, the upcoming season as well. A handful of great teachers are going to win a incredible collection of four gift cards here courtesy of our friends at kroger obviously it's the hundred dollar gift card to kroger but also fifty dollars to target and home deep i should say home chef and uh, bath and body works so a great collection of gift cards uh that are going to be going out to our teachers and we'll be announcing the winners of our outstanding teachers contest the week of august the 7th we're going to be doing that but in addition to that here's something you need to know that you can also be a winner just for nominating a teacher there as well. So if you go to dognation.com, it's easy to find the link. Click there, nominate a great teacher. Maybe that teacher will win, but you yourself for being the nominator can also win there as well. You may get a $50 gift card from Kroger and a Dog Nation gift bag, which includes t-shirt, all kinds of cool stuff there as well. So that could be coming your uh, your way uh, there as well. So you have for a few more days to kind of get in on that nomination process. Tell us about a great teacher that you know, whether it's your teacher, your child's teacher, teacher in your family, teacher in your community. And that teacher could be one of our big winners starting the week of August the 7th. And you yourself could be a winner for making that nomination. Go to dognation.com for more details on that. All right, we have a fun conversation here coming up in a moment. Speaking of former players being on the show, 
we welcome in the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm to the program today. No Jeff Sintel. Jeff's still on vacation. We'll look forward to catching up with Jeff again very, very soon. But it is Jake Fromm here today, and we're going to do something a little bit different with Jake than we sometimes do. We are still going to talk plenty of Georgia football. Obviously, that's what we kind of lean on Jake for when he's on our program, and he has been every week now for the last several months. But in addition to that, as I talk to Jake, in full disclosure, we're recording the show live today, but I did record the interview with Jake on Thursday afternoon because he was driving back up to D.C. to be a part of the Washington Commanders uh, you know, start of training camp. He's going to be a part of that. Obviously, we wish him well as he does that. And we kind of got more into some of that kind of stuff. You know what a training camp truly feels like, how much of the stuff you see on Hard Knocks is real life, and the differences between the NFL and college when it comes to some of this. It's a pretty interesting conversation with Jake Fromm about the work that he's doing to further his football career and be a part of that Washington Commanders organization here this year. So I'm actually, in, I enjoy talking to Jake about some of the stuff involving his career right now and obviously we also talked to him plenty about what's going on with Georgia football there as well we'll do that with Jake Fromm here coming up in a couple of minutes prior to that though let's go around the doghouse and it's poured today by our friends at the finish long drink and one of the topics around dog nation here a little bit over the course of the last couple of years has been the Georgia offensive line and the hesitancy seemingly to give Georgia the full credit it deserves for the dominant performance of the Georgia offensive line. One of the main ways this has shown up is the fact that Georgia has not won the Joe Moore Award, the award that goes out to the nation's top offensive line in either of the last two years. Uh, Georgia Cedric Von Prahn told us this a year ago. That was their stated goal for uh, this past season in 2022. They still finished second, apparently, to the team that apparently is just unbeatable. The team that apparently has the best offensive line in the history of offensive lines is apparently the Michigan Wolverines. Mighty Michigan, as we've sort of taken a column around here because of the praise they're constantly heaped on. Apparently, they're just unstoppable. And the offensive line apparently is what makes them unstoppable. The Joe Moore Award certainly uh, seems to, to believe that. Georgia has finished no better than second in either of the last two years. And you may remember, you know, one of the guys that's kind of involved in the Joe Moore Award selection process, Cole Kublick from the SEC Network. Uh, at the time, you know, he was kind of explaining why it was that Michigan's offensive line is just apparently, in the view of the Joe Moore Award viewer uh, voters, just uh, so much better than Georgia's. This doesn't hold up very well, I don't believe, with UGA fans, but this is the explanation that Cole Kublick tried to give us about that last December. Take a listen. The way that I looked at it this year is, is really and truly like just choosing between your favorite flavor of ice cream. Like if you're a chunky kid like me growing up, um, you know, some people like the flavor of ice cream that was super technical, super fundamental, uh, understanding footwork, hat placement, hand placement, you know, assignment football, working together, shoulder to shoulder, staying square, working up a combination block to the second level. Whereas other people kind of like me may enjoy uh, the gladiator style of football just a little bit more. Uh, you know, they, they want to see people be bludgeoned. And it's something that I have, not that I don't appreciate technique and fundamentals, but I for me, that's just what I enjoy watching a little bit more. That's where I think Georgia really excelled. Guys 15, 20, 30 yards down the field, tracking the football, finishing blocks. Uh, guys on screen plays, taking corners and linebackers, you know, escorting them to the bench area five yards out of bounds, you know, punishing people to the ground, finishing plays. That's what I enjoy watching. I think Georgia embodied that a little bit more than Michigan did this year, but collectively from start to finish consistently, uh, the majority of the people who voted for our award uh, decided that Michigan uh, was the better offensive line from start to finish. Yeah, man, you just can't do anything about that Michigan offensive line. I realize Georgia won the last two national championships. Boy, that Michigan offensive line performance just sort of speaks for itself. Now, I play all of that for this reason. I regret to inform those of you who are Georgia fans who are hoping that maybe one day this Georgia offensive line with first-round picks and, and great success, that maybe one day this offensive line might get a little bit of credit for the success that it's enjoyed. I regret to inform you that apparently in 2023, that's not likely to be true either. Our, our friends at Pro Football Focus, not everybody loves Pro Football Focus. I understand Kirby Smart himself has said that he doesn't particularly like Pro Football Focus, but nonetheless, they are you know, a, a voice out there in the wilderness and some of this kind of stuff from time to time. They have provided their rankings of offensive lines for the upcoming season, and once again, the Michigan Wolverines rank atop Georgia. Georgia's the second best offensive line according to Pro Football Focus. And as I'll show you on the screen here, Michigan, once again, according to Pro Football Focus, is the number one offensive line in the country. I got to tell you, this mighty Michigan bunch, they just can't be beaten. 
other than the times they have been beat, like, say, TCU this past year and Georgia the year before that. But this mighty Michigan team is just a dominant, unstoppable force. And the the the, the season is essentially one that belongs to Michigan. The, the, the season itself is essentially a referendum on, on who can even keep it close with Michigan. We've had several media types who've tried to sell us on that i guess the most prominent maybe being reese davis the host of espn's college game day who a few times over the course of the last few months has kind of made no bones about the fact that michigan not the team that's been number two the last two or should say number one the last two years georgia but michigan is his number one team and i guess the pro football focus ranking the offensive line just sort of beefs that up even more this is what reese davis has said in the past Michigan has a proven quarterback that I think is going to improve greatly this year. They've got the best cornerback in America in Will Johnson. They've got some transfers on both lines of scrimmage, including a pass rusher that should shore up some of the things that they've lost. They've done a really good job in the transfer portal the last couple of years, particularly on the lines of scrimmage. They've got their running backs coming back, a couple of uh, wide receivers that might even be bigger threats, uh, transfer tight end from Indiana, I believe. They... I think if I had to fill out the ballot right now based on what I know, you know, what I, the type of production I know I'm going to get, I think I'd put Michigan number one. We've played the clip for you before, and there's a lot that can be unpacked from it. For whatever reason, the thing that kind of caught my attention that time is in making the case for Michigan, the litany of things that Reese Davis cited, one of the things that he mentioned was they got this transfer tied in from Indiana. Georgia has maybe the greatest tight end to play college football in decades. <laughs> and you're selling me on a transfer from Indiana. Like that's, that's how hard some of these media types are working to make the case for, as we're going to call them mighty Michigan, unbeatable Michigan, other than the teams that seem to beat them like TCU and obviously Georgia dragging them up and down the field at the orange bowl, mighty Michigan. Number one, in the eyes of Davis, there've been others as well. Was it Bruce Feldman made the case for Michigan? Not that long ago there as well pro football focus once again touting the michigan offensive line if you're georgia i guess i just don't know what you do about this i guess you're just thankful to be living in michigan's world you're thankful to be a tiny moon orbiting the you know the the giant sun that is the michigan wolverines i I guess that's all you're you know left to be able to do and just hope that if georgia is somehow lucky enough to even earn a game against the michigan wolverines that maybe georgia can can equate itself okay in a situation like that, but we are clearly dealing with an unstoppable juggernaut. Best offensive line in the country, rightly ranked preseason number one. That is an oncoming train, and if Georgia's even fortunate enough to be on the same field, I hope they are ready for what is coming their way on the basis of everything the media is telling us here about this mighty Michigan team, and that is around the doghouse. It's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink, and after some of that kind of analysis, I could use a Finish Long Drink. But the truth is, I can pretty much enjoy Finish Long Drink anytime, anyway, especially the brand-new peach-flavored version of the Finish Long Drink. And that's one of the things I think we're so excited about right now here on Around the Doghouse is the fact that you've tried the traditional, the blue can. You love that. Kind of got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. You maybe tried the Long Drink Cranberry. I know a lot of y'all love that Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. But if you tried the brand-new offering, a special thing for a limited time for those of us here in the peach state, the peach flavor of the finished long drink this is the kind of thing that sort of takes that summer up a notch and as you're kind of waiting those final few weeks before tailgate season and all that begins little uh finished long drink peach flavor as you're at the pool or the lake or the golf course or wherever it is you got going on here this summer weekend it's a great thing to take with you so go to the longdrink.com put in your zip code right there you can find out where you can pick some up today and you can understand why so many folks love this brand new relatively new category of beverage the ready to drink cocktail the mixed drink in a can and why the peach flavored version may be the best version of the finished long drink yet so find them online at thelongdrink.com all right so before we are done I'm going to talk a little bit about the final day of SEC media days and something I think I noticed. I'm not quite so sure anybody else did. We'll tell you about that and we'll kind of set the stage for, I guess, how media days kind of puts a punctuation mark on kind of the final moments of the preseason before the real season actually gets here. So we'll do all of that here coming up in just a little bit. But for now, on everything as it relates to what's going on with Georgia football, of course, the quarterback position in particular, and and Jake Fromm's got some really strong stuff on quarterback here today we'll also talk to jake as well as i said before about his own career and his 
attempt to compete to be right there in the mix of the Washington Commanders quarterback job. All of that now with Jake Fromm on a Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. Here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, time for a Kroger Fresh Take with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, who's actually thinking ahead to his near future right now on his way to begin Washington Commanders training camp. Jake, we appreciate your time. And uh, I guess if you don't mind, let me start there. You know, if, if you don't mind, we obviously talk to you a lot about what's happening with Georgia football and, you know, kind of what happened when you played for Georgia football. I don't know how much we've talked in the past about your own current career, but obviously you got a big next few weeks ahead of you getting ready for NFL preseason action, kind of a a little bit of a new look for this commanders organization there as well. Like what is your mindset as you kind of get back to football here right now and kind of getting back to that grind again? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, right. I'm, I'm on the road right now. I had to training camp myself. Um, man, just, just full of excitement. Uh, it's just a, uh, I mean, you just know mentally kind of what you go into NFL training camp. It's just going to be a grind. Uh, it's a little bit longer, than uh, college uh, fall camp is, and, um, you know, just the stakes are a little bit higher, uh, maybe a little bit more stressful, but, uh, man, it's, it's exciting, it's fun, uh, it's a huge blessing. There's not very many people who get to come in uh, and go to training camp. So, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm just pumped up, I'm excited, and uh, man, trying to earn my spot on the team. Is it weird for you that I think most of us would say what happens for Georgia during its preseason camp is a pretty big mystery. You know, college teams are very, very secretive, NFL teams, by comparison, are just kind of not. Like, media has a lot more access, typically speaking, to an NFL practice than a college media person might to to a college practice. There are fans, I know here in Flyer Branch in Georgia, that are in attendance. I, I believe it's the same thing, you know, up there with the commander's organization there as well, where a lot of fans get to come to practice. Is it a little bit different going through an NFL practice where there are just seemingly a lot more people watching practice than sometimes happen at the college level? Is that something that you even notice? I mean, absolutely. I would definitely go kind of along with that notion that uh, NFL camp is a lot more open. Um, I remember talking with some of the guys there at the lunch table before we before we broke for the summer, um, and they're bringing in like an entire uh, stadium bleachers for fans, expecting a big turnout uh, of just people kind of there at practice. So, um, you know, there, there's a, probably a lot more, a lot more moving parts going on. But man, at the end of the day, it's all about what happens on the grass yeah. and, and being able to stay focused on that and. Uh, man, knowing that install, going into practice and, and making sure you, you make a play and, and kind of show them, show them what you can do. The other thing that I think a lot of us sort of feel like we know about NFL training camp is the fact that a lot of us have watched Hard Knocks for a long time. And I think that Hard yeah. Knocks does a good job of – you know, giving you kind of an inside view of what it's like trying to make a team, you know, trying to get ready for an upcoming season, all the things that are going on here right now. As someone who's also been through this before and going through this right now, how close do you think a show like Hard Knocks kind of comes towards, you know, getting what it's all about as everybody's fighting for one of these 53 roster spots? Yeah, I think it does a, a pretty pretty good job of, of really, really getting the whole dynamic. I mean, um, I, I don't. I don't think you get a whole lot of uh, fakers on the show um, at all because I mean people have to be so wrapped up in in what they're doing in order to make it make the team. Um, because I mean, you know, I know Coach Smart talks about it. You know, you know, you got to compete and, and every spot's open and, and all that good stuff. But um, that there's there's no no realer truth to that than NFL training camp. Because uh, anything can happen on, on final cuts, and uh, man, you, you really got to go in, and go in, and, and be yourself. Because um, man, you, you don't have any choice not to, because there's so much going on. There's a level of mental focus that you have to have right now that's probably different than it's been the last few weeks for you. And so, I'm kind of curious. You know, when you look at it from a percentage standpoint, what you kind of think of as your summer, the the brief off season you did have, because you were doing some other OTA work. You know, even you know throughout the summer there as well, like. What percentage of this has been football for you, and what percentage of this has been trying to get away from football so that I can give my full focus when training camp actually gets here? Like, how would you break down what the last few weeks, last couple of months have kind of been like for you? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of tough. So we, we broke for OTAs. We got five weeks there, um, kind of off before we come back. And, um, man, you, you, you got to get your body right. You know you, you want your body uh, feeling the best it's ever felt going into camp. So – um, I usually kind of dedicate four to five hours uh, to my to my body, to throwing, 
um, to lifting, to running, all that good stuff, and then really try to, once we get in, get our work in for the day, get back out um, post-lunch and, and really just try to enjoy, be where my feet are, spend time with the wife, spend time with my family, uh, get out, go fishing a little bit, play yeah. a little round of golf, spend time with friends. So uh, you definitely need to step away a little bit because, man, when you when you show up for training camp, it is ball, 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 and uh, you're just going to be so wrapped up with it, you can't think about anything else. Well, it goes without saying, we wish you luck on all of that. And obviously, a lot of Georgia fans rooting for you hard. It becomes a fun reason to watch these Commanders preseason games coming up here in just a couple of weeks. We're not too far away from the start of NFL preseason as far as all that goes. To shift gears here back to Georgia for a moment, obviously, we had SEC media days this week. And one of the big topics that came up from Kirby Smart is the idea of battling complacency, that sense of not feeling like you've arrived and um being just as hungry this year for another championship as georgia's been for the last two years there as well as someone who's been a player is a player now but also at the you know at the level sec and georgia football of having some success and then coming back again like how real is that that you know there's got to be this kind of team-wide vision of staying just as hungry and just as committed even though the grind day-to-day week-to-week can obviously be pretty hard like you know how much of a realization is that 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 the idea of getting complacent and not getting too rested here is an important part of what George is about to go through. Yeah, I, I I'm going to make a uh, a bold take here. Nobody nobody does a better job, in my opinion. Gosh, I mean, I, throughout the country, maybe than Coach Smart does in messaging and in getting his team to buy into what he's selling. Um, it, it starts during the winter workouts, during spring balls. Buying really happens during camp and getting uh, all those guys, we got 85 guys on scholarship and the walk-ons who, you know, we're going to help out the team during the fall to, to really buy in to, to what the team messaging is, um, to, to the team culture. Um, I, I thought he did a great job at SEC Media Days of doing that. Um, and he, he's, just, he's just being him, um, honestly. Uh, he does a great job. Man, guys, guys feed off the energy that he has. Um, and, and just what, what he's selling. And he does such a good job with messaging that he gets the fan base on board with it as well. Yeah. Um, so that, that's how good he is at it. Um, it's going to be a great ball camp for him and thank you to all the guys bought in. Well, what I've said before is, is some of that could come across like a little bit boring. Like you said, for the average fan, they may not care as much about that. But I think that people lean in more on that. Maybe the players do themselves because – it seems like something that Kirby kind of deeply believes. I mean, you hear Brock Bowers talk this week or some of the other Georgia players that were there, Kamari Laster, Cedric Von Braun, uh, Granger. You know, they reflect all this too, but it's not like this rote memorization where they're just sort of parroting back what they've heard. It seems like this team takes that pretty seriously, and you know fans want Georgia to win. So if this is what the players and the coaching staff believe is important for winning, then it seems like it gets pretty easy for the fans to get on board with that there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's important to coach smart. Uh, therefore, it's going to be important for uh, the position coaches, the coordinators, uh, the strength staff, the support staff. Um, I mean, you, you got everybody in that building who's, who's preaching the same message over and over and over again. So it gets ingrained in their brain uh, because it becomes part of them. Uh, and just really just throughout what they do day to day, coming in and lifting and grinding. So, um, you know, I, uh, a different kind of perspective, too, is, uh, Coach Sinclair with the strength staff yeah. they got. I mean, really, they're, they're a they're a, a, an arm, a hand extension of Coach Smart because they end up spending the most time with the kids um, during the summer and during the summer workouts. So nobody does a better job of really getting all those guys on the same page that Coach Sinclair does. So, man, um, I'm, I'm pumped and excited for them. And, and really, it's just kind of just uh, of, of just a realness uh, eking out from those guys um, when they when they speak. I want to finish with a question about quarterbacks. Let me remind folks before we get there, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. And, of course, as you head towards the weekend, now listen, Jake's weekend is devoted towards football. He's starting NFL training camp, and he's getting serious. But for the rest of us, maybe our summer's still going on here a bit, and we get grilling out season and hanging out by the lake or the pool, whatever else. And as you're putting some food on that grill or having some great side items to go along with those burgers and dogs or steaks or ribs or anything else, don't forget your local Kroger's the place to go to get stocked up on all of that. The plates, the napkins, the side dishes, the great meat to put on the grill, the grill itself, perhaps maybe even all of that at your local Kroger. Great savings and all that, too. So stop by and see them in store or go online, Kroger.com. They got you covered on all of that. Jake, to finish up our conversation here today, 
Kirby pretty much said about quarterback what you'd expect for him to say, which is that maybe Carson Beck begins the uh, summer period kind of slightly ahead here, but obviously that's not a settled situation in Kirby's mind. There's still a competition ongoing. We're not surprised to hear Kirby obviously address that, but from someone who kind of began a training camp as a backup and eventually became a starter and to a guy who also was a starter and held on to that job and kind of, you know, final year at Georgia where, you know, you were really kind of the guy from the uh, full time there, you know, what's it like for these quarterbacks now getting ready to start practice? And I guess, you know, for Carson, who may be ahead, for guys like Brock and Gunner who want to kind of close some ground up here, you know, what's the message to these quarterbacks right now about what the next few weeks are supposed to be like? Yeah, it's, a, it's about to get real for those guys, man. It's about to come in, competing. Um, and I think what the rest of the team wants to see uh, is the guy who's going to be consistent, compete every day, um, and, and really take the bull by the horns and, and be a great leader for this team uh, throughout camp, man. Camp's tough. It's a grind. I uh, mean, I didn't want to see the same guy in and out of the huddle uh, every single day. So, um, you know, as far as the, the competition going on, um, you know, Carson wasn't there at SEC Media Days. Um, so, you know, maybe it, uh, it might be slightly more open than, than we might think. Interesting uh, thought there, Jake. I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you for being here on our Kroger Fresh Take today. Uh, certainly enjoy this uh, beginning of training camp up there. Uh, for the Washington Commanders, we'll be rooting for you hard, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you very, very soon there as well. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Thank you, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. There we go. I, I think that I have said this before, but I am fascinated by like the battle for positioning when it comes to these NFL roster spots. I'm a lot more into college football than I am the NFL. I've never made any bones about that. But the stuff that Hard Knocks shows, I'm really interested in. And the stuff that Jake Fromm was talking about there, of being at my best, going out there, giving my best shot, you know, kind of a wide-open opportunity there at the quarterback spot and a chance to really kind of move up that depth chart with a really good summer here, moving into the NFL preseason time. I just think that stuff's really, really fascinating. It's the same thing for, like, the guys that just left the Georgia roster as well. It's like get all the first round picks and they're going to have their time to do whatever but it's also you know guys who maybe weren't as highly drafted who are also going to have a chance to impress during their training camps during that preseason time there's just something really i guess inspiring maybe that's the right word something really inspiring about the way in which guys commit themselves to doing that which i think makes football this time of year really very fun something else that of course is very very fun is the chance to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and being excited about the Dog Nation cruise coming up April of 2024. And when we were planning that new Dog Nation cruise, there were two things that I knew we needed to do. First of all, I really stood on the table to say, we got to go back to Perfect Day Coco K. Any cruise that I'm taking, I'm sort of thinking about Perfect Day Coco K, the exclusive private island experience that you get only on a royal caribbean cruise vacation that has to be a part of what we do and that is going to be a part of all of this once again in 2024 as long as as long as well as a stop with uh, nasa on the bahamas there too but also we knew we wanted to be bigger and better than it had ever been before there as well and that's what it's about being on board allure of the seas this is an oasis class ship and if you're not all that familiar with the uh, line of ships in the royal caribbean fleet you gotta understand something the oasis class ships are right now the largest ships at sea and so when you talk about being on a cruise ship like this you're experiencing all the specialty restaurants all kinds of bars and lounges the entertainment options unlike really anything that can be matched anywhere else and that's what the dog nation crew is going to be all about there as well and of course along with the theme of bigger and better that means more dog nation themed events there as well some of these are only rumors at this point time can't even really tell you about them but it is going down in a big way in april of 2024 so give jessica slater a call she's a great travel agent she's helped me with so many cruise vacations and she can help you there as well in fact she's helped a lot of you there too you've told me that yourself so you can call her 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 tell her i said hello when you talk to her you can also go online royaldogs.com that is royaldogs.com and she's got you covered on all that today the website royaldogs.com is specifically for information about the 2024 version of the dog nation cruise all right let's talk sec media days wrap up here for a moment i imagine by the time i'm off the air today we'll get that official announcement from the sec order of finish uh predicted league champion the all sec preseason teams probably won't get that before the podcast is done but we'll probably get that by the time we're off on video if i had to guess 
But there were a couple of thoughts on the final day of SEC Media Days that I kind of found to be a, a little bit interesting. One of those is this. The vibe on the last day is always a little bit weird. I was joking with our video audience before our show began today. I like baseball cards. Sometimes I take my son to like baseball card shows, things like that. The last day of a baseball card show is always sort of the weirdest day because people are ready to go home. The vendors are packing up. Everybody's trying to get out the door. They've been there for a few days. And there's a little bit of a SEC Media Days vibe that way too where a lot of energy in the room on a Monday or Tuesday. But by Thursday, people have sort of worn all their clothes. The media types are sort of kind of going back around to something they've already worn once before and you know they're just everybody's a little sleepy everybody's kind of ready to go home so it's hard to make news in the last day of media days the same way you can the first couple of days of the week the, the the energy levels just not quite as high so keep that in mind for what i'm about to tell you but i, I thought it was really weird that a guy like josh heupel the tennessee coach by my best you know recollection really didn't have any kind of viral moments or interesting quotes yesterday there was almost nothing from hypo yesterday that cut through the clutter at all the best that i can possibly tell i think this is also sort of true for billy napier but for now i want to make this case more about josh hypo and to me that's a little bit noticeable i mean even compared to like shane beamer a coach who was also there yesterday i felt like there was a little bit more coverage and a little bit more reaction to some of the things that shane beamer said than there was to what josh hypo said which I don't want to make, you know, media reaction to media days to be more than it is, certainly. But it is worth kind of keeping in mind here is that Vols fans have this hope right now that Josh Heupel is the next big thing in the SEC. After all, I had kind of a breakthrough season a year ago. I say kind of a breakthrough season because while they did beat Alabama, they didn't really do much after beating Alabama. And, you know, the season kind of ends on a little bit of a, uh, you know, of a down note there. But at one point in time, this was the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. And Josh Heupel, certainly the offensive system that he had put in place, there was a big reason why that was true. But I think in events like this, when all the other SEC coaches have their turn at bat, you just see a difference between the guys sort of at the top. And I'm not just talking about Kirby Smart, and I'm not just talking about Nick Saban. Like, to me, Brian Kelly had some gravitas when he walked in the room there on Monday. You know, kind of looked good in the suit, presented himself pretty well, and I think people were just kind of leaning in to a little bit of what Kelly had to say. And it seems like, you know, some of the words that Kelly chose to use kind of got a little bit more attention. Was that because it was just earlier in the week? Maybe that's a chance. Maybe 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 there's a chance that's true. But there's an element to which that that Josh Heupel is not exactly standing out from the crowd in the SEC right now. And if I'm a Vols fan, I'd be paying close attention to that. Certainly a guy that got way more attention than uh, than Heupel yesterday was Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin, ironically a former uh, Tennessee head coach. And look, I don't mind telling you, I don't have I don't think we have photos or video of this to show you, but it's not hard to find yourself. I thought Kiffin looked like a mess there yesterday, you know. Kiffin's never been particularly well dressed I don't think even going back to his time as Tennessee coach he always sort of looked like he's wearing his daddy suit like a little bit too big for him you know he's always kind of had that look yesterday though it's the jacket no tie you know hair was sort of a disheveled mess he looked like a guy who'd been playing blackjack for 12 hours as opposed to an SEC head coach there to make a presentation about his team and once again I don't want to make SEC media days more than it is but it is a chance to put sort of your best professional foot forward and I don't think Lane Kiffin necessarily did that. Not just the appearance, although I thought the appearance was greatly lacking for someone who's supposed to be a respected leader of an organization. I think that sharp dress sharpens the mind. And something less than that is probably a little too much less. But even the stuff that Kiffin said, and admittedly I've been accused before of being a little too hard on Lane Kiffin from time to time. I, I certainly you know, wear that and understand that that's a, a criticism that, that might be fair because there's a lot about Lane that I don't like. Uh, I think that Lane Kiffin, to use a phrase that's become popular as of late, he is truly college football's version of an Epo baby. I mean, this is a guy who was Monty Kiffin's son, kind of used that last name to get on the USC staff and then get to Raiders head coach, sort of weirdly hired by Al Davis, one of the many weird things that Davis would have done, parlayed that to become Tennessee coach at a time in which the Tennessee program was also pretty weird. It seemed like that's been true a lot over the last decade plus. Uh, that was a kind of a weird era there. Then he weirdly left, went to USC. So the resume is as long as a you know a yardstick, right? A lot of big jobs. Uh, Kiffin's very good at getting hired places. But the actual tangible accomplishments are actually pretty thin. This is a guy 
uh, who just sort of seems to be protected by the status he's enjoyed by being and growing up in the football fraternity. And he's really do- really done very little to earn the status that he's been given. And in the midst of a media day's presentation like yesterday, boy, it seems like you heard a lot of excuses. Oh, you know, can't get elite talent anymore because programs X, Y, and Z, they're buying all the top players. And if I'm an Ole Miss fan, this does not set well with me. Now, frankly, I don't think that a lot of things about Kiffin were sitting very well with Ole Miss fans at the end of last season. He clearly seemed to have one eye on something other than coaching uh, his team there with the Rebels. But when you're talking about NIL, and I know some of the media types want to kind of portray Kiffin as a brave truth teller, somebody willing to tell it like it is at a time in which there's confusion around the sport. Frankly, the media has always been quite willing to prop up Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin grants them what essentially looks to be unfettered access. Kiffin picks up the phone every time they call. There is nothing some of these media types like more than that. And in exchange for that access, they are more than happy to give him favorable coverage. We've seen that play out now uh, for a number of years as it relates to Kiffin. But once again, to kind of circle back to the fans here, the, the, the key stakeholders in the Ole Miss program, when Kiffin's talking about all the reasons why teams like Ole Miss, the team he coaches, can't get great talent, it just sort of starts to feel like an excuse after a while. It's one of those things that Kiffin seems to sort of turn on and off whenever he wants to. Out of one side of his mouth, he may brag about the transfer to the SIP and be the portal king type guy. He seems to, to like his ability to get players out of the transfer portal. But on the other side of all of this, essentially kind of makes an excuse for why high school football recruiting is not even worth his time. The truth is, Kiffin's never been a very good recruiter. Now it seems like he thinks he has an excuse not to participate in that process at all. Well, good luck doing that if you want to be a successful coach. No one ever calls Kiffin out on this kind of stuff because I think the media thinks he's interesting and therefore they give him a free pass. Hard not to notice yesterday, though, at least to me, how he looked how he sounded, Kiffin did not come across as a very professional SEC coach, and I'm guessing some Ole Miss fans may have paid attention to that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as we wrap up a fun week around here, let me do so in style with a couple of really good golden shoes. We'll throw the first one up on the screen here for a moment. A couple of great submissions I uh, got sent to me. This is our buddy Wise Dog, who was a part of our Dog Nation cruise back in April. Some of y'all know him from Twitter there as well. He has been on uh, a Royal Caribbean cruise here this week and sent me a nice picture of a good-looking plate of uh, it looks like chips and uh, salsa there from Perfect Day, Coco K. I told him, I said, I wish I was there right now. How much fun does that look? Beautiful paradise all around you. Private island right there in the Bahamas. Great food, great beverage or two or three or however many you want there. And just having a really good time with all that. We're glad that Wise Dog is enjoying himself. And for all of you who have taken some Royal Caribbean cruise vacations this summer, we're glad to hear all of you enjoying all of those. And as well, our buddy Joel Sidney Kelly sent this to me. Uh, he sent it as a gift. I'm showing it to you as a, as a still shot here. He calls it Crying Day. You got Crying Jordan, kind of referencing back to Michael Jordan early in the show. The Crying Jordan face on Crying Day. Uh, truly a, a very funny thing indeed. We never get tired of that. I guess if you wanted to be more accurate, you want to do the crying Jordan face, but then you got to superimpose Ryan Day's unnaturally black beard on top of uh, Michael Jordan there, the uh, the beard for Ryan Day that was sort of chemically enhanced, we believe. Uh, no one's beard is as, as naturally dark as Ryan Day's beard is. So maybe you need to come back and do the, the Ryan Day beard on top of uh, Michael Jordan, the crying Jordan face there. Either way, pretty good job by Joel Sidney Kelly. Very, very funny stuff. Uh, and we'll call those our golden shoes for today, and we'll let you know as we do our Gator Hater countdown we have now crossed over the rubicon now inside of 100 days 99 days away from georgia florida that is our gatorator countdown and that is good news because that means the season itself is here before you know it there as well you'll have a great weekend we'll see you back here monday dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll look forward to talking to you then